morning, everyone. Welcome to the Doug and Daddy Show here on ESPN Tri-Cities, where the college football season is now over as Michigan beats Washington 34-13. For all of those that uh, thought Alabama was going to win it all, we didn't have to worry about that. Michigan got out. Scored on the first possession of the ball game and really never looked back. Kind of controlled the game against Washington. We're going to talk about that. The College Football Hall of Fame. Frank Solich is going in. Danny Woodhead is going in, among others, for the 2024 class. Mitch Sherman of The Athletic is going to join us here in just a few minutes. And also, Mike Ford, Alma Cardinal Boys Basketball. They are rolling along, folks, doing a great job. And uh, we're going to talk about that as well with the head coach. There are a lot of games tonight that have been postponed or rescheduled and so uh, still trying to see how everything is going on. There are some schools uh, I know Kearney Catholic Lexington actually uh, Alma is holding on to hope tonight to play Amherst. They're going to make a decision here around noon whether to go and I know some of the roads are still pretty slick out there depending where you are at in our area but glad to have you along with us. What did you think of the game last night? huh? What What did you think? A lot of people that I was listening to or talking to yesterday, they were on Washington. Uh, they thought Washington getting the up to six points at one point yesterday, and it bounced back between four and six throughout the entire time they were going with uh, Washington. But Michael Penix just didn't look like Michael Penix. Now, was that because of Michigan's defense? Was that because Penix was a little banged up? A lot of discussion going on this morning on Herdad and, of course, on ESPN television and all the networks that are talking about it. I listened to Joey Galloway a little bit this morning saying, hey, you know, let's not, let's not uh, blame certain people. Let's just say that it is what it is and that Michigan probably got to Penix a little bit better than some teams did. And I think that had a lot to do with it because Penix never misses open guys, and he did a couple, three times last night. That made a, might have made a difference in the game. Also, you get to this, and what happens? It's the way too early top 25 for the next year, and we see who's up top and who the betting favorites are and what's going on, and we already have that uh, from Mark Schlebaugh. It's one of the fun articles every day after the national championship and he has georgia number one and they are the consensus betting favorite now betting favorite again same schools until they get completely knocked out it's georgia it's alabama it's ohio state it's michigan and it's texas so these are the teams that are what vegas has set up this morning to win next year's national championship if you invest in any of those today you're a fool (laughs) because you will always get better odds when we get closer to the start of the football season. There's too much that's changing by now, and so uh, wait to see. I mean, you may still take your team, but you're, it's not like Ohio State's going to go from 5-1 to one to even money between now and August, so don't do anything crazy. I think Jimmy would pass that along as well. But right now, here's what Schleyball has up top. Georgia number one, Texas second, Oregon third, Alabama 4th and Ohio State 5th, Michigan 6th. And remember, with the new conference and even more probably tougher schedules, we already know that Michigan and Washington will play next year in the regular season. Michigan and Texas play in the non-conference. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Ole Miss, they have it number 7 out of the Southeast Conference. So out of the Southeast Conference, they've got Ole Miss, the number 3 team, or is it actually Texas who now comes in? So you're ranked 7th, but you're the 4th best in the conference. Missouri 8th. Arizona, 
number nine. How about that, folks? A team that was one and eleven two seasons ago. Mark Schlebaugh thinks could be a top 10 team next season. Then it's Notre Dame. He's got Washington 11th, followed by Penn State, Utah, LSU, and Oklahoma. And then just kind of keep on going here. Florida State, who got uh, left out this year, is 16th. Then it's Tennessee, Oklahoma State, Clemson all the way down at 19, North Carolina State 20, and then the last five are Kansas State, Louisville, Kansas, SMU, and the Iowa Hawkeyes is who he has in the number 25 slot. So always fun to take a look at some of those preseason prognostications way too early, top 25. But Michigan looked really good in the game last night and pick up the win 34-13 to uh, in a game that was a seven-point game uh, late in the second half. But two uh, touchdowns and getting it done on the ground and Blake Corum, favorite player, along with Michael Penix. It was just great to watch those guys play last night. 888-455-ESPN, 888-455-3776. That is the Billy Jack's fan line. The best pizza around, extremely fast pizza, and a full bar with a frosty rail, big screen TVs. You can play Kino. It's a family fun, classy environment at Billy Jack's, and the fan line is 888-455-3776. You can uh, tweet us at ESPN underscore Score Tri Cities. We're also up on uh, Facebook at uh, ESPNSuperstation.com and email the Dent Popper inbox. Doug and Daddy at ESPNSuperstation.com. Doug and Daddy at ESPNSuperstation.com. So, going to talk more about that and the Hall of Fame with uh, Mitch Sherman coming up here from The Athletic in just a couple of moments. Also, there's plenty of basketball going on tonight. Creighton moved in to the women's poll at 22 again this week. The men move in. The women have been there. The men are also 22. Creighton plays at DePaul tonight, and Nebraska gets number one. Purdue. Both games are at 8 o'clock. Nebraska's on the Peacock Network and KHAS Radio while Creighton is on the CBS Sports Network tonight. Rounding out the uh, rankings for the men's uh, for some of the Big Ten teams, you've got Illinois sitting there at number 10. Wisconsin is 15th after the win against the Huskers. For the women, you have uh, Iowa moving up to number 3 this week behind South Carolina and UCLA. We'll run down what we have for you on the high school side of things as things are moving on. Also, Allie Batenhorst enters the transfer portal on one side. It's a surprise. She's a starter at the end of the year. But the former National Gatorade Player of the Year, flattest field out there, sometimes you don't. You need a corner system to help you out. So if you are looking to upgrade or add on new, contact your TNL dealer today, Bill Shapley, Bend State's Irrigation Repair, Carney in Loop City, or go to TL. IRR.com to learn more TNL like no other. And we welcome in from the Athletic, Mitch Sherman. Happy New Year, Mitch. Happy New Year, Doug. How are you? Well, doing good. Haven't strained too many things uh, from a little bit of snow scooping. So I guess just a normal first couple of weeks here in January. It is. I missed the snow in eastern Nebraska. Uh, I'm out of town, but I'm, I'm headed back into it tomorrow. So I'll see. Uh, See how things have cleaned up in my in my uh, seventy two hours uh, on the road. Straight work, or what, did you have a little vacation too? I oh, know I'm working. I'm working. Uh, so uh, in Nashville at the at the coaches convention. What's the story coming out of there? Um, you know, not not a whole lot of big stories that I'm working on coming out of here, but just a good t- a good opportunity to 
to see coaches uh, when they're not when they're not hard at work on game planning and, and coaching games. You know, there's a lot of issues in the sport that are being discussed by uh, by the head coaches and by the assistant coaches who are here. But this is just a huge mix of of college coaches and, and high school coaches, probably more high school coaches, just as far as the numbers who are at this event. But um, I found it to be really resourceful to, um, as I said, be able to see coaches when they um, don't have so much on their minds and they're in a little bit of a more of a relaxed state and you get to uh, get to know them somewhat. Well, we'll get into a little bit of that, but uh, first off, just your thoughts on what you watched last night in the uh, championship game in Houston. Yeah, for a lot of the game, it felt like Michigan was playing another Big Ten team, you know, like a like a team that it, it just kind of out, outlasts on the way to what we've seen now in the last three years, three Big Ten championships in a row for the Wolverines. And I guess um, that's fitting because in October, Michigan will be playing Washington in a, in a regular season Big Ten game. This, this one, of course, had a lot more at stake, and, and Washington is, is coming out of and, and still a representative as of last night of the Pac-12, but maybe it's, a, it's something of an indication of what the, um, the new teams in the Big Ten have in store for them. There's, there's an increased level of physicality that exists in the Big Ten um, and the SEC versus the rest of the country, and you know Washington, even as the best team out West, um, you know, I had trouble had trouble dealing with that from Michigan from from the get go. I thought Michigan's plan to run the ball and the way that it ran the ball and the way that Washington dis- defended the run in the first quarter of that game, even though it stayed close for uh, portions of the uh, of the second half, um, Michigan set the tone with the with the way that it came out and w- was intent to run the football and, and broke off big chunks that Washington was was unable to stop. So I'm I'm happy that we didn't see a repeat of last year where. The game got out of hand, and it, and it just wasn't enjoyable to watch unless you were a Georgia fan. Um, I'm glad that it went um, somewhat down to the wire, but um, you know, in the end, it was a dominant performance by Michigan, and it showed on the scoreboard. Talk with Mitch Sherman of the Athletic here on the Doug and Daddy Show. And in the grand scheme of things, doesn't this Michigan over Washington prevent all the controversy of leaving Florida State out? Whether Alabama should have been in, it doesn't matter. They all got beat, and we had the two undefeated teams playing. Yeah, I think a lot of the a lot of the buzz about Florida State, even though the Seminoles were so short players in the Orange Bowl, it's just really hard to get excited about that on a national level when they lost sixty three to three. That that exposed Florida State, um, uh, and again, I understand it was like Georgia against the Florida State scout team, but you know it happened on the field, and that didn't look like a playoff team. I don't think Florida State at full strength. Uh, was was one of the top four teams coming into December. You know, it's a, it's unfortunate the way that it went down. And Florida State had a great season, but its quarterback was hurt, and that has to be taken into consideration. You know, we're not going to have these have to have these kind of conversations about undefeated teams being left out in the future. So that's a silver lining in this because if you win your conference, um, no matter if your quarterback gets hurt or other key players are out or you don't look as dominant as the committee might want you to or as fans might want you to, a team in Florida State's position obviously would make a 12-team playoff. And the teams that will be left out that will be upset are, are going to be the three-loss teams or maybe a 10-2 and two team that, that had some issues. And I think that's a lot more palatable. Um, as for everything else, you know, the Georgia people, I think, are still going to squawk and feel like, Georgia was the best team in the country, and that's not always who wins the national championship. There were years for Nebraska in in previous eras where 
I think people felt like Nebraska was the best team in the country and didn't have, get a shot to play for the national championship. You know, whether it was a fourteen playoff or not. You know, I think about the nineteen ninety nine team and um, you know hear a lot of that same argument from Georgia, but. Um, you know, when it mattered for Georgia, when it had to win in what was essentially a quarterfinal game in the SEC championship, that they, they, they lost. So uh, that's you know, it doesn't that doesn't really lend me. Um, I, you know, I'm not I'm not I'm not apt to look at it with sympathetic ears about Georgia and and, and, and listening to the the argument that the dogs would have beat both teams on the field last night. Maybe they would have, but they should have won um, in the first week of December when they when they needed to. Yeah, I I just. I'm with you, Mitch. I mean, yeah, Georgia was good. I think they're better than Alabama, and that's how they voted them in the AP poll, ironically, uh, at the end of the season. But I see no reason, when you go back and listen to the talking heads that cover this day by day, that uh, loved Oregon, loved Ohio State. Well, they lost to these two teams, and Oregon mm-hmm. lost to Washington twice. I I think there should be nothing against these two teams as the best two football teams in the country. I think they proved it. I think Michigan did it the old-fashioned way. You can say what you want about the SEC and having good quarterbacks, but if they don't run the football, it doesn't really matter. I mean, they run the football and play good defense, even when they had Jalen Hurts and Tua and the Georgia quarterbacks the last three years. They still all ran the football. Yeah, you know, it's such a flawed system, and I think it'll get better in some ways, at least as far as the process that's used to determine a champion um, moving forward. I, it's, there, there's going to be things that are taken away from the regular season. Now, there'll be things that are added to the regular season, because you can have a 10-2 and two team, like an LSU that's playing well late in the season this year when it had an early loss and a conference loss, and, and it can still be in contention and playing for uh, a, a hope to get into the playoff and, and to win a national championship. So in that sense, I think it'll add to the regular season. There are other times you take the Ohio State-Michigan game this year, and that's not going to mean as much. A game in, the, in that scenario is not going to mean as much as it did this year when everything was on the line. It's going to be more about um, the rivalry between those schools and, and, and all the pride that exists because both of those teams obviously would have been in the playoff this year, and you would have a different a different format for determining the Big Ten champ, where they would have played again for the Big Ten mm-hmm. championship a week after mm-hmm. the game. So it's, it's, it's going to be different. Um, you know, I, I think there are things, there are, there's more to like about the direction that the sport's headed as, in, in the way that it determines a champion than there is to, to dislike about it. Mitch Sherman with us here on the Doug and Daddy Show. Since we all know it was about football, and even though we've got basketball and baseball and softball and track and everything else that's still to go, do you start referring to Oregon and Washington as Big Ten teams as of today? Well, they're Big Ten football teams now. I suppose you can look at it that way and say that the rest of their athletic department still has, or at least the winter and spring sports still have um, Pac-12 time, but... You know, now for all intents and purposes, yeah, the Washington, Oregon, USC, and UCLA, their seasons are over, so uh, they're Big Ten football programs. But, you know, obviously there's a there's an official date, and, and they'll, they'll join in the summer. And, and there are things that um, you know don't that, that aren't the same at, at this stage here in January for for Oregon and Washington when you compare them, and and and, and uh, you know you, you can't put them on this on the in, the in the same conversation in every way with with the Big Ten, but. Yeah, for conversational purposes, you know, the way that I look at it, if I'm doing, um, you know, off-season power rankings, something like that, you know, when, when, when I think when fans take an interest in teams around the conference, whether it's in recruiting or the transfer portal or, or things that are injuries that, that you follow during spring practice, you look at Washington 
and Oregon, UCLA, and USC exactly the same as, as every other team that's in the Big Ten moving forward um, in, in with, with its conference affiliation because um, the next games that those programs play, the next practices that they conduct will be as members of the Big Ten. Mitch, so much will change about college football, not just with the conference affiliation, but going to this 12-team playoff next year. What are other changes that when we get to media days and kickoff next year in August slash September that fans need to be aware of? You know, some of that's going to be ironed out. I mean, if you if you want to talk about, like, rule changes, um, you know, I don't know that anything there is, 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 is going to be major this year. and We'll, we'll see. But the, the NCAA convention is still to come. Um, the coaches' convention is is more of like a social opportunity for coaches, and you know there there are things that get that get aired out, and a lot of talk about issues in the sport. You're going to continue to see NIL and the landscape that the players have to navigate when it comes to portal, uh, the portal um, continue to evolve. And you know, the, I, one thing about NIL and and the, the world that college sports operates in now is that it's changed. I would say e- even more fast than I would have expected. There's this, there's this evolution that's happened. It's only been three or four years, and there are things now and, you know, opportunities for, for athletes and, you know, different roads that they're going down with sponsorships and the way that they get compensated that, that no one was really even dreaming about um, like three years ago. So six, seven, eight months is a long time. Um, the, 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 the time between now and when the season gets started or when we're, when we're at media days next year talking about college football, it's a long time in, in the world of, of NIL. New, new ideas arise. You know, uh, players will, will dive into new ventures. So, um, you know, every month can seem like a year um, as far as the advancement that takes place with the ways that, uh, that, that, that people are getting creative. You know, we're heading toward uh, a place, I think, where, there are more centralized rules and, and perhaps a place in a few years where all of this looks foreign to us right now, where third-party organizations are arranging the payments. You know, eventually, I think this has to go in-house with the athletic departments, but we're not there now, and we're likely not going to be there in July and August when football kicks off next year. So because it's so um, just raw and, and out there and untamed, um, the opportunity for, for change and, and dramatic change in a short period of time will continue to exist, and, and you know we just have to kind of follow along and hope to keep up. Mitch Sherman of The Athletic joining us here on the Doug and Daddy Show the day after the college football season comes to an end, and now we've got a new era dawning upon us. And I know you've talked about it with Schmitty on Hale Varsity for all our listeners that catch that show every afternoon, but can't talk before the Hall of Fame. i got to get a couple comments from you on what you think the Huskers have done in the last seven weeks because that's how long it's been since they've played football. Yeah, they started to reshape things on the roster, especially on the offensive side. We haven't seen any movement on the on the coaching staff at this point, but I think we will this month or, you know, at the latest in, in early February, probably still this month uh, in January. There, there, there's going to be, um, you know, some, some shifting or adjustments. You know, I don't expect that Marcus Satterfield is going to coach the quarterbacks next year. Now, he will be the offensive coordinator, and, and he will coach a position, but – um, you know, I think Matt Rule wants to make a change in, 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 as far as how the quarterbacks are coached. And that was his original intention when, when he took this over a year ago, was to have a quarterback's coach. And, and they, had to, they had to shift that, that, that plan, that philosophy, because 
he wasn't able to to make every hire that he wanted to make um, heading into his first year, and and you know he was okay with Satterfield coaching the the QBs, but um, you know some things are, are going to change here um, before the spring, and you know we'll, we'll see exactly where that is. I think there are a couple options out there for Nebraska, a couple different routes that Rule could could choose to go with how he wants to structure things and and who he wants to bring in. I mean everyone, um, I, I think everyone or most people, it was certainly in the in the public. Um, fear on on saturday that, that he had dana holgerson the former houston and west virginia coach in town to uh to visit and and they you know they went out in public went to the devaney center to watch nash hutmaker <laughs> wrestle in his collegiate wrestling debut which was a lot of fun and but but you know there was dana sitting there and and um they're talking um you know could it be as the qb's coach maybe could it be as an analyst perhaps um that's going to depend on um some other things that might involve the nfl playoffs this weekend so we'll um you know, we'll keep an eye on it. Um, otherwise, you know, the, Nebraska in the last seven weeks has, has done a good job of, of reshaping things with the, the personnel on the offensive side. And, you know, the biggest one is probably Dylan Rayola, um, who flipped from, from Georgia to Nebraska, as, as everyone knows, and, and, and on December 20th signed and, and has been instrumental in, in helping Nebraska um, work through some things in the transfer portal. And you see a, a potential wide receiver one come in, and Isaiah Nair from, from Texas, who's, who's missed most of the past two seasons, uh, is now fully recovered from an ACL injury, and he was a big-time wide receiver in the Mountain West at Wyoming uh, in 2021. And then, um, you know, also the running back from Oregon, Dante Dowdell, who's a young guy and has played just one year of college football, um, should have had a red shirt, didn't have a red shirt because Oregon played him in a fifth game. Um, uh, so he comes in as a as a sophomore, a true sophomore, and and, and will be in the mix this spring. I, I would not hand the running back job to him by any stretch, and sometimes with these portal guys you think okay look you know this guy was a four-star um big time big time talent um you know he's he's going to have the starting job that's not that's not the case nebraska has a has a deep running back room when everyone is healthy and and there should be a good competition there starting in march i guess the best you can because everybody's been talking about it forever now but Mitch, I'm always somebody tried to compare him yesterday to Tommy Frazier, you know, the the biggest get that Nebraska has got in Rayola. And in this day and age, you've got to be care- careful because you got a Harrison Beck that's also uh, somebody that you can throw out there that everybody was doing cartwheels over. So I don't want to be pessimistic and I want to be optimistic. What's the what's the I mean, be, be, Danny Kalen, some of these guys, even Heinrich's been to top. You know, you can say the Elite 11 camp or whatever. We've got guys that have done that, yet they're not getting the pub that Rayola has. Give me the biggest positive, if it's just because he was at one time the number one quarterback, and then what your reservations are about every Husker fan wanting him to take the first snap in game one. Well, he's a different kind of prospect for sure. Um, you know, he's a prospect just as far as his readiness to come into college football and, like, the talent that he has. That, that the comparison to Frazier there is is apt. I think it's solid. That's a good comparison. And now they're completely different kind of players. You know, Tommy was of course an option quarterback and a, and a running quarterback who was perfectly suited to suited to to take the reins of, of Tom Osborne's offense at the at the exact right time with the with the with the mix of talent that worked for him around him. So it was a perfect storm of events that that you know played really well with bringing in the number one or you know the five star quarterback in in the country um dylan doesn't have all of those advantages he's not coming in with a with a loaded roster but in terms of talent there isn't really a comparison um you know well you okay there is a comparison but in making the comparison dylan rayola is considerably ahead 
as a prospect, as a refined quarterback, as a thrower, as somebody who, you know, the, the, the experiences that he's had and the people that he's been around in the game of football, um, you know, he's, he is in a, he's in a, a man's body right now as an, as a, an 18 year old. Um, you know, I shook his hand on, on Saturday <laughs> at the Devaney center. And, you know, I spent time with him in, in, in Phoenix last February and he's freakishly physically advanced. Um, at, at this point, at six foot three and 225 pounds, he looks like somebody who has been playing college football for a few years. There are definitely reservations that people should have because of his inexperience at this level. You know, he can train with every NFL quarterback out there and every top coach out there and go to all of the different um, events and, and have exposure to, to high-level training that, that he's had, but that the fact is that he, he, he has not taken a snap of college football. And if he's the guy on day one, there is going to be a learning curve, and Nebraska is going to have to bring him along somewhat slowly. Maybe he'll pick up on it quick, and by the time they get to the Big Ten season, um, he's playing like a, like, a, like a veteran. You know, I think that that's probably less likely than the alternative, where he's got to take some lumps in his first year, and then, you know, in 2025, he's the guy who looks like a veteran. So they have to find ways to win while using his talent, but not leaning on him too much in his first year. And this is all presuming that he wins the job, which I think right now is the way that it looks. But, hey, lots of stuff can change between <laughs> January and, and, you know, the end of August. Have you ever shake, shook the hand of Nash Hutmacher? I have, yeah, and I even did that on Saturday too. His hands are bigger than than Dylan. Well, they're stronger than than Dylan Rayola. And Dylan's got some big, strong hands. I don't want to. I don't want to raise red flags there. I'm sure. I'm sure. On the when the day comes that he goes to the NFL Combine, he'll yeah. he'll uh, he'll measure well in that department. But Nash is a di- Nash is on a different level, and I, and I think Nash, you know, is a fifth year guy in this in at the at the at Nebraska is poised for. Um, is poised for you know even more of a breakout year calendar year than what he experienced in in 2023 and starting early on the on the wrestling mat he gets uh, well we'll see but the the plan uh, is for him to go out there against Iowa yeah. on Friday night which is different than 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 what he did last Saturday against Wyoming <laughs> man uh, how how great it is it's not a novelty either I don't think Mitch he plans no, on wrestling in the national really championships <laughs> yeah. yeah no he's really good and and you know you saw it in high school and and the guy that he pinned in two minutes. On 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 Saturday, you know, was not a national championship contender for Wyoming, but he is a he is a wrestler who's in his third year um, collegiately and won a pair of state championships himself in, in, in Texas, which isn't a wrestling hotbed like it is a football hotbed. But um, there's still a lot of people there, and um, it's still a competitive sport. And, and, and that kid from Wyoming uh, won two state championships in the state of Texas, and and, and Nash took care of him in in, in short time. You got to actually watch it live Sunday morning on on Countdown when I, you know, Alex Smith and Randy Moss are part of the co-host team that are on that show, and they told him, "Hey, you're in the College Football Hall of Fame." And then yesterday, mm-hmm. we find out some other great names, and then close to home, obviously Coach Solich and Danny Woodhead. Nice tweet about how those two are kind of tied together in infamy with Nebraska lore uh, from Mitch yesterday. But for Frank. He's going in as a coach. He could go in in a lot of ways, but he's probably going in as a coach, head coach. He did a ton as an assistant at Nebraska, and he was a very good, ran-out-of-town head coach. But he's probably getting in more for what he did in the MAC in Ohio, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, he's a legendary MAC coach. Take everything else out um, off of Frank Solich's resume, and, and he is a college football Hall of Fame coach for the work that he did at the MAC. I believe he is the 
the the most winning coach in the yep. in the history of the MAC. Yep. So that by itself gets you into the College Football Hall of Fame, and everything that he did at Nebraska is is a cherry on top. And he probably is worthy of the College Football Hall of Fame in a totally different career. If you take out everything he did at Ohio, he's probably worthy. He may not get in if it was just the Nebraska stuff, but from his time as a little fullback for Bob Devaney to the longtime assistant for Tom Osborne to the to the six years that he spent as the head coach, that could be, you know, is arguably college football Hall of Fame worthy. But yeah, he's getting in uh, for for the I would say for the for the entirety of it. Um, but um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what what his what his speech looks like. You know, I think he's probably going to lead with, um, you know, the, the headline is is that he was the longtime head coach at Ohio, and and then um, you know his his legacy will involve a lot a lot more than that. And you know, it's great. This is this is you know going down a, a little bit of a different hole, but it's great to see um, you know, how much he's now again being embraced by Nebraska, and how, and how much he has finally, finally, in the last year, welcomed that. And you know, it's not it wasn't like a one weekend thing where they brought him back and they honored him and he had his little press conference and said the curse is over and you know and then they moved on. He's around Lincoln. Yep. He talks to Matt Rule. Um, he's a part of the Nebraska program. Not that he's at practice all the time or anything like that, but they have they, 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 that. That was not a a quick um, a quick thing. He he that he he has continued to be embraced by Nebraska, and and maybe more importantly, he has continued to embrace Nebraska since uh, that day last year when when he reappeared. Mitch Sherman with us, and then Danny Woodhead. I mean, you don't put a lot of Division II guys in. I think maybe you get some more coaches than you actually do players. There's no doubt that Woodhead uh, deserves it, and he will not feel out of place because of what he did at the pro level when he's at the banquet in December with the rest of these guys. Sure, yeah. I mean, I think more people nationally know him because he was a, of his career in the NFL. But obviously he's getting into the into the College Football Hall of Fame for what he did at Shadron State, and... I mean, in the history of Division II football, there are probably not a lot of players who are more worthy of the, of, of this honor than, than Danny Woodhead. I know he had the all-time, any-level NCAA rushing record when he left Shadron. Um, so, great player. His, his, uh, his, his statistics, his numbers, they speak for themselves. And, you know, there's, a, there's always the conversation about what he would have done if he had the opportunity to play at the highest level. You know, not necessarily Nebraska. You know, obviously that's the one that people would have liked to have seen him at because it's his home state and it's the team that he grew up cheering for. And it's the team that, that you know, he watches now. And it's cool to see that he um, somewhat is, is connected to the Nebraska program, um, you know, and, and will occasionally be in Lincoln and come to practice. And people have embraced him in Lincoln, you know, even as someone who is not a former, a former player. Um, but at, at Shattern, you know, he's, He's the guy in Division Two football. He's the guy, and it's a it's a well deserved uh, honor for him too. And knowing Danny, he's probably already booked the tea time for the first week in December. He's in probably Vegas. on the golf course now, somewhere <laughs> warm. You know, I'm guessing he's not in Omaha right now because there's six inches of snow on the ground. I you probably didn't, but I'll ask you this, and we'll wrap it up, uh, Mitch. Did you happen to watch any? Because it just happened to be on the Bengals and Browns. Did you catch any of that Sunday? I did. I did not. Okay, all right. I did not. I, I did not. What, what, they what just had to, going here? They just had to do it. Oh, here's the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, Zach Taylor. Oh, and here's his former coach at Nebraska yawning on the Cleveland Browns sideline, Bill oh, yeah. Callahan. It was – I still throw up you know in my what? mouth a little bit. Yeah, you know what? Um, 
that escaped me, and, and I was I was getting into Nashville on Sunday um, for the convention, um, and and that that escaped me that, <laughs> that we were getting a um, a Bill Callahan Zach Taylor reunion on, on the sidelines, um, and you know being in Cincinnati and Cleveland, like that's that's uh, you know, it's a game that, that we should we should you know two programs or two uh, organizations in the same state, so it shouldn't it sh- it should it should be more uh, more notable, but. Um, Zach has, of course, got Bill's son, Brian Callahan, on his sideline um, as the offensive coordinator. And, um, you know, that's an interesting story in itself. And I remember when, when Zach was a quarterback in Nebraska and, and, and Bill was, was the head coach, that Brian played at UCLA and, and came to Lincoln, um, you know, when, when the opportunity permitted to come home and see his parents. And he'd stop by, um, at least he did occasionally stop by, Memorial Stadium and, and, and see his dad and see the Nebraska program and, you know, of course, never never played for Nebraska. Maybe in a different era he would have gone in the portal and come to Nebraska, <laughs> but um, it didn't exist then. And, and, you know, I would imagine that's where the that's where the, uh, the Brian Callahan-Zach Taylor connection started. So um, it's cool that they're, that they're coaching together and that they're both having the success that they are um, so many years later and that, and that Bill is, is still in the game and, and can go against those two guys. And I don't, you know, I said last question, but it just occurred to me, Mitch, on a totally off what we're talking about because you had mentioned him to me before and where you live right now. I'm sure you had some thoughts on Brad Feekin, who was laid to rest yesterday. Yeah, that was the worst thing about going out of town this week is that I had to watch the uh, the memorial service uh, online, and it was a tearjerker. Um, you know, I was there at the at the game on the day that he, that he died. Um, at Creighton Prep in the Metro tournament and saw, you know, just an incredible finish, one of the most memorable, you know, emotional things that I've ever seen on, on anywhere, any sports venue was, was Landon Pekorski, um, the Gretna senior, you know, who was Feekin's guy, you know, somebody that he groomed from, from before Landon was in, in high school even, um, and he hit the game-winning shot, the buzzer beater to, to unlock a tie and, and send Gretna into the, into the semifinals of the, of the tournament, but um, you know, if he can, he could, he, um, he taught my daughter, um, in, in seventh grade in seventh grade reading class and w- was the, the, one of the most, you know, you know, it's hard to say the most because these kids have so many teachers that are great girl, growing up, but certainly at the, at or near the very top of the list of the most impactful, fun, positive, um, well-intentioned, just great teachers that, that she ever had. And I knew him more probably as a teacher because I never had a, a, a kid who played for him that my son went to his, his basketball camps and he's just a seventh grader now. And it's, it's you know tragic that, that he doesn't get to have uh, Brad as, as one of his teachers um, because of, of, of what's happened, but just made a, an, an incredible impact on the whole community in Gretna. And I think, you know, beyond his, his impact goes, goes beyond Gretna because of, um, you know, unfortunately, how many people have have heard about him and heard his story over the last couple of years, especially these last this last month as as he um, you know as as he passed away and 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 his health deteriorated before that. Well said, Mitch. I appreciate it. I wanted to give you a chance to say that, and uh, that's kind of been the same sentiment to everybody. Said he was a hell of a teacher, even more than a coach, and he was great at both. So, a uh, long chat here. So we'll let you get going, Mitch. Thank you so much. I know our listeners really appreciate uh, when you come on the show, and we'll do it again soon. 
right, thanks, Doug. Take care. Mitch Sherman joining us here on the Doug and Daddy Show. We're going to take a break here on ESPN Tri-Cities. We'll switch it back to the local scene. Alma Boys Basketball, the girls have been really good. Now the boys are undefeated. We're going to talk with their head coach, Mike Ford, when we come back. Mini TVs, and all of a sudden, you get hungry. That's okay. If you're at Jersey Sports Bar and Grill in Kearney, they not only have all those TVs, but they cook too. You never have to stay home and watch alone. Jersey Sports Bar and Grill in Kearney has a full menu and a full bar. Jersey's offers daily lunch and dinner and drink specials. Get to Jersey Sports Bar and Grill in the Vista Point Shopping Center in North Kearney, where the game and the grill are always on. J-E-R-S-E-Y-S, go Family Physical Therapy and Sports Center, getting you back into the game of life. With several locations in Kearney and surrounding areas. Ask your doctor how Family Physical Therapy can improve your quality of life. Family Physical Therapy and Sports Center, excellence in rehabilitation, is a very proud supporter of all of our area athletes, in and out of the game. Locations serving Kearney, Lexington, Minden, Ravana, and Wood River. Today's weather is brought to you by Farm Bureau agents Matt Myers and Rich Peters. When it comes to protecting your family, home, cars, and farmer ranch, you can count on your local agents to help you get the coverage you need. Contact Matt Myers and Rich Peters in Kearney today. Securities and services offered through FBO Marketing Services, LLC, affiliate Farm Bureau Financial Services. It's been years since you graduated, but your college team is yours for life. You can also have a Farm Bureau agent for life, and auto, and home, and business insurance. Imagine that. One agent for everything. It's that simple. So get a Farm Bureau agent for life. In Kearney, call Rich Peters and Matt Myers at Farm Bureau Financial Services, 308-234-4922. Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company, Farm Bureau Property and Casualty Insurance Company. Securities and services offered through FBL Marketing Services, LLC, affiliate Farm Bureau Financial Services. Doug and Daddy Show here on ESPN Tri-Cities. Glad to have you along with us. It is a Taco Tuesday at Chicardi Taco John's. Bigger, better, bolder. Get as many hard shells or soft shells for a special price every Tuesday. And, of course, you can get tacos in the morning. They just call them breakfast tacos or burritos. You can get them in the afternoon. You can get them on the way home from work. You can download the app right now. Join their Bigger, Bolder Rewards program and get free food. Check that out as well. But it is Taco Tuesday. Tuesday at your Carney Taco John's on Highway 30, 419 East 25th Street, or on the north side of town, West 56th Street. Maybe you're out moving the snow. Maybe you just need to grab something quick. They'll have it ready for you at your Carney Taco John's. Well, we have a lot of uh, basketball games that are being called off for tonight, but I just received word that our next guest is going to have to coach tonight as Alma and Amherst are going to play this evening. Mike Ford, the head coach of the Cardinals, with us. Coach, how happy are you about that? You know what? It's it's one of those things where you you just uh, we got we had three games called off last year with weather, and uh, you get this late in the season uh, with two teams from different conferences. Uh, chances are it's not going to get made up, and um, this is exactly why we practice every day to play games. So you hate when anything gets called off. So when you can have a chance to keep things on schedule and and play, you're you're always happy. And being the competitor that you were, the coach that you have been at your stops, you want to be tested, and this is obviously going to be your biggest test of the year. You, uh, Even though you might be considered an underdog, you want to have a chance to uh, go out and see what these guys really have after 11 games. Well, it's it's one of those things where you, um, 
yeah, you, you want to go out and you want to see where you're going to get uh, pushed around because they're, they're certainly going to be longer than us at spots and, and quicker than us at spots. And there's um, every single one of those guys can knock down, knock down shots. So um, uh, they're, they're a little bit different team from last year, but um, I know they've got help from their young guys. Uh, those juniors that are still around, um, those are tremendous players. So um, we are going to have to be on our on our game 100% offensively, defensively, and scheme-wise so that uh, we, we don't get routed because they are a very, very talented team. Alma's made a move into the top 10 this week because of their 11-0 start. Amherst is preseason number one, both a Class C2 school. They've stayed there. They're only lost in overtime two at Gothenburg, so they will be playing those games tonight uh, in Alma. From what I've seen from Amherst over the last couple of years, and especially watching them in the holiday tournament, and then a couple of games I didn't see where it was maybe closer than fans would have thought, it seems it's come down to Amherst making or missing the three-point shot, which was a big part for Austin Adelung. Is that what you're seeing, or is there some other things? Oh, yeah. I mean, when you look at uh, them on film against um, any of these teams, uh, York York would be a team that... that uh, we haven't seen a team on our schedule like that. So when you when you talk about the physicality at everything from the guard spot down to the interior, um, uh, Amherst certainly has been has been tested a little bit different than us. So um, you, the Wood River game, it's it's like I said, it's it's one of those things where um, uh, the defensive pressure for for maybe some shooters not to knock down all the shots that they're accustomed to knocking down. Um, we got to try to replicate some of that pressure. We got to try to replicate some of that physicality on the interior and and just doing stuff really really well to minimize our own mistakes and and maybe try to get them into um, some uncomfortable situations which um, like I said I think that that's going to be a a tough task but um, I think our boys are are, uh, wanting to to go see what what we have and and then uh, you come away from the game uh, with a list of things to work on. Alma Boys basketball coach Mike Ford with us here. Just his second year. They had a really good year last year going 13-5. and The game with Amherst was a 20-pointer, and we'll talk about his team now a little bit. You don't have the 6'6 big man in the middle. you got a lot of athletes, but uh, they're kind of all guards for you. How are you handling post-position offensively, defensively? Uh, I know Axtell had a couple of aggressive posts from seeing them earlier in the year, and that was your last game out. Yeah, no, it's... Um when we have come against bigger guys, which we are going to be outsized in, in nearly every every matchup, we will be outsized probably in the interior. But um, that's where our guards have to do a really good job of making those passing lanes tough. Um, trying to full front some of these big guys um, it can be a task for for kind of our small lineup. But it's it's a it's a defensive scheme. It's not just uh, one guy having to to lock down. Um, the interior stuff. It's it, we got to find deflections. We got to make passing lanes um, hard to see for some of these guards. But uh, um, it's just going to take a ton of communication um, and, and a ton of great scheme to, to stay in front of these guards. And then uh, if we don't, it's going to be easy basketball uh, for any any guys that have some size on the inside, tennis and and uh, various deep with with some good physical play. But um, like I said, it's got to be a, a great scheme defensively so that uh, we can make it tough for them to see those easy plays. Mike, uh, you're not that deep either. Just looking at the stats, you're basically a six or seven guy basketball team. But you've got a young sophomore uh, that is leading you in scoring right now in uh, Xavier, and then you've got uh, some returning All Conference players that have some experience for you. But again, you're not peppered with a lot of seniors. Uh, what is the biggest difference between your team from last year and where you're at this year? 
Oh, we, we've done just a better job of uh, taking care of the ball. Uh, we were we were a low 20s turnover team last year, and so, um, you know, we, we sat the team down and said there's there's a very simple formula that's going to help us be our best, uh, our best selves, and that's going to be uh, taking care of the ball, um, limiting the, the self-inflicted wounds. Um, we're averaging a little under 10 turnovers now, um, but uh, um, Amherst, I'm sure, is going to make it extremely tough on us. But uh, when we're able to, to find a couple more points, or, you know, a, a couple more tenths per possession and points, um, that just means you're taking care of the ball better. Maybe you're executing a little bit better. Um, but I think our decision-making is a little bit better than last year. But, uh, again, when you put four sophomores on the floor, um, sometimes sophomores play like sophomores, and, and they'll, they'll get sped up and, and they'll uh, want to score quick. And, and uh, we just got to go into the game uh, trying to uh, handle the pressure uh, that they're going to give us offensively and just make uh, really, really good decisions and, and see if we can get a quality shot off every possession. We're chatting with Mike Ford, Alma basketball coach. What's been the best? What are you most pleased with about your basketball team halfway through the season? Well, the the three of my starters, uh, sophomores in, in Xavier and uh, Isaiah and Titus, they were JV players last year as freshmen, and uh, we weren't <laughs> we weren't hammering anybody at the JV level. So um, for them to be able to take the summer. Um, uh, grow up a little bit as far as what they're doing uh, IQ-wise, their decision-making, taking care of the ball, um, developing a little bit of skill from the outside um, f- to watch their JV film to now. They're, they're completely different players, which is exciting, and, and knowing that we have them for the rest of this season and uh, a couple more summers and a couple more uh, seasons in basketball. So um, just, just the fact that they're able to go in um, – not get sped up as much as maybe they did even at the JV level because none of them really touched the varsity floor last year. So um, doing what they were doing last year against freshmen and sophomores and now having to switch, the, switch to doing it against juniors and seniors, um, it's, it's one of those things that coaches like to see that uh, we can still execute at times and, and find a shot that we're looking for versus just uh, chucking something up when we, when we get kind of open. Mike, you're one of the schools that doesn't have a holiday tournament. Are you efforting a holiday tournament? Does it matter to you one way or the other? Uh, pluses and minuses to that? You know, I, I, we had one for years up in Elm Creek, and uh, which I was totally fine with. Uh, down here, they they haven't had one for a number of years. We we had our our schedule was front loaded with nine games, so um, you know you you come back off that five day moratorium um, and and maybe no practice or maybe one practice. Um, you get right back into to basketball, and sometimes it's really, really bad basketball. And and so there's there's times uh, that I've been in practice after holiday uh, moratorium and thought, man, I'm, I'm glad that we're not throwing all these bad turnovers and, and bad shooting uh, against a, a really, really good team or even a poor team. Um, so I wasn't I wasn't upset that we had uh, the opportunity to come back and practice a lot. Now, if if they would change their mind and and we would uh, go to a holiday tournament, I'd be fine with that. But I um, with us being so uh, so heavily um, scheduled in the front half with nine games, um, it was a very nice, it was a welcomed five day break, um, and then because it wasn't wasn't a, a, a much longer break before we got right back to to playing on that Tuesday um, after the moratorium. So um, it wasn't it wasn't like it was a three week break. It was, it was more like ten days, and uh, five of those nobody was in the gym. So um, it, it, it's okay by me, but. Uh, <laughs> If we end up finding something, that'd be fine too. 
I'm just looking at this young team, and selfishly, I want to see you guys have an opportunity, Hastings College for the Heartland Hoops holiday, or uh, get in somewhere where you can find somebody from outside the region, because I think it looks like you guys are stacking up for a little bit here for the next couple of years. And all the teams that are left on your schedule right now, and I don't know what the story is down there at, at Northern Valley, Kansas, but they're all hovering right around the 500 mark, which I'm guessing for you guys, even though you're 11-0, those are games that can all be won or all going to be competitive for you. Thoughts of maybe being in an RPAC championship game, some things that Alma hasn't done in a while. Uh, how much, and again, when they're that young, maybe they're not talking about it that much. You know, we, we, don't, uh, we don't talk a ton about uh, goals, and maybe we should more. Uh, we talk more about developing habits from day to day that are going to help us win games. So, uh, you know, for for. Uh, starting the season, I, I told my coaches, I told my parents, I don't, I don't know how many games we're going to win. I, I, I didn't look at our schedule. I just uh, knew that uh, if we could try to develop some habits that would help us win games, uh, the, the wins are going to take care of themselves. And if you run into a, a buzzsaw team, uh, that, that's going to take care of itself too. But um, no, with the youth that we have on the floor, um, Axtell would have been a great example uh, the other night. They... Um, um, they just did some stuff really, really well. They put us in positions that we didn't like being in, um, and really the rest of our schedule would be the same. Um, I have told my, my kids uh, multiple times, you take Jake and Neil off the court, um, uh, you know, the next five guys are four sophomores and a freshman. Um, we're a pretty solid JV team. And so um, anytime you're going against uh, 17, um, they, they've had those extra summers. They've had those extra – uh, seasons of, of reps of just being physical and and re- and stuff like that. So um, yeah, we don't take anything for granted um, on our schedule. Uh, we're just going to continue to uh, come away from every game with a list of things in, in which we got exploited in and, and try to shore up those weaknesses. And um, if that ha- has us uh, ending up in some bigger games awesome if it doesn't then uh, we understand where our time needs to be spent in practice and as we enter into uh summer basketball but um northern valley will probably be one of the best teams that we face on the second half of our schedule they um uh, we were really really lucky to get away with a win uh last year they were ranked in the top uh, two or three in their classification which would have been class d2 in, in kansas but um very solid i mean just really athletic at all positions they did lose a post but um, going down there, I, I, I would imagine uh, it's going to be just a different environment. It's obviously not a home game, but um, they, they'll give us uh, – it, it'll be a great game. They, I, I'm sure they're expecting to walk in and, and beat us. We did, we did meet up with them for a couple scrimmages this summer, and uh, just solid, just really good at every position and old at every position. So, again, that, that experience sometimes is um, where you'll see the biggest deficit with, with some of our matchups and – um, so it, uh, we're excited to play, but um, we just want to try to eliminate stuff that we're doing poorly, uh, try to solidify some stuff that we are, are getting better at, but uh, um, just excited for the matchup tonight. And um, like I said, come away with, regardless of win-loss, we come away with a list of things that, that we did okay and, and certainly a list of things that uh, we need to work on. 
Big week for Alma. They take on number one Amherst tonight. Highline, who's coming into their conference on Thursday night. Then they go to Hitchcock County on Friday night. It's a busy time for the Cardinals. And, man, if we could be every place at once, I'd love to be watching the ball game and calling the game tonight. But, uh, Mike, we'll see you somewhere along the way, and uh, best of luck. Hey, I appreciate it, Doug. Thank you. Take care, Mike Ford, head coach of the Alma Cardinals. They've got it going on right now, and let's see what they can do tonight with their game against Amherst, which they will be playing. There is a ton that's called off. We're going to run that down for you right after the break. Mike Vrabel just fired as the head coach at the Tennessee Titans. Wow. I liked Vrabel. I was kind of on the Tennessee bandwagon here a couple of years when they, they did upchuck a little bit. They were the one seed, lost to Cincinnati, and then the Bengals went on to the Super Bowl, and that's what we saw from the rookie year of uh, of Cincinnati and what they've been doing here lately, and now Joe Burrow's been hurt a little bit. But Tennessee, what the hell are you thinking? Get some talent. Vrabel can coach. Let's take a look at our Doug and Daddy poll question. Yesterday we asked you about Ron Rivera. Was it a good choice to dismiss a Ron Rivera? And we said, I said, you know, it just seemed like we knew it was coming. And they were, there's another great guy. I think he'll hook up with somebody's as a coach right away because he can coach. Maybe he's just not the head coach. And it's stagnant and Washington going through all the junk and the name changes and the ownership over the last few years. Ron can probably come out smelling better on the other side. 64% of you said, yes, it was a good choice. Today, which game will you be watching in the AFC wildcard this Saturday? We've got games to listen to and watch, but which one intrigues you more, the Chiefs-Dolphins or the Browns-Texans? I'm guessing being here in the Midwest, the Chiefs-Dolphins is going to win this one, but I think that Texan-Brown game is going to be crazy good as well. I think we got a couple of good ones Saturday. You can vote anytime on Twitter at ESPN underscore Tri-Cities. <laughs> Imagine a job where your inner child could be released. Franklin County Roads is here to make your inner child's dreams come true. Make a good living maintaining the roads of Franklin County. Come on, what little kid didn't want to drive a real Tonka machine and play in the dirt all day? To find out how you can help get started living your inner childhood dreams, stop by the Roads Department at 1215 G Road, Franklin, Nebraska, or call 308-425-3710 from 9 to 4, Monday through Thursday. Don't have a CDL? That's okay. Franklin County will pay for your schooling. Franklin County Roads Department is an equal opportunity employer. The year was 1979. Rocky Balboa was champ. Rocky Geyser was embarking on a real estate career. Balboa's next fight was Clever Lane. Rocky Geyser's was 20% interest rates. Through all of his battles, inflation, recession, regulations, Rocky Geyser has always answered the bell. For 40 years, I've been in the ring with my clients sweating the details. Call Rocky Geyser of REMAX Executives today or log on to OneRocky.com. Put Rocky in your corner. The 41st Annual Home and Builders Show, presented by the Kearney Area Builders Association, is coming up January 12th, 13th, and 14th at the Buffalo County Expo Center. This is the 41st year of people finding hundreds of ideas for better living. On the weekend, there will be six wildlife encounter shows. That's the Home and Builders Show, Friday, January 12th from 1 to 7, Saturday, January 13th from 10 to 7, and Sunday, January 14th from 11 to 5 at the Buffalo County Expo Center. Admission is just 5 bucks. Kids 12 and under get in free. Proceeds fund scholarships for graduating seniors looking to have a career in the building industry. When the passing of a family member occurs, too often loved ones have too little information on planning the funeral. Horner, Liskey, McBride, and Kuehl developed their website to provide both information and comfort, etiquette, and common sense. Visit hlmkfuneral.com. The more you know, the better they can provide additional comfort and guidance during life's most trying time. Horner, Liskey, McBride, and Kuehl Funeral and Cremation. Providing steady 
comforting service as they have for nearly 100 years. Did you know that in downtown Kearney, you can get a banner to show your support for your local sports team, a graduate, or really anything you want to tell everyone you're proud of? Copycat Printing has paper banners, vinyl banners, yard signs, even collage boards made out of paper or foam board. Come on into Copycat today. They're your printing headquarters. Their professional, friendly design staff will help you with everything from start to the finish of any printing job. Think, shop, and buy local with Copycat Printing of Kearney. Online at CarneyCopycat.com. Escape Ordinary by heading to Cunningham's downtown or Cunningham's on the lake in Kearney. You'll enjoy the coldest draft beer in town, happy hour specials, and great food. An outstanding place to relax with friends after work, on the weekends, or any time to escape everything. Plus, you can dance and listen to their live bands every weekend at the downtown location. It's a great time every time when you escape ordinary at Cunningham's Journal, on the bricks, and Cunningham's on the lake, Kearney. Amherst and Alma also in the same sub-district in Perkins County and Highline and Hershey are all in that one as well. Some uh, pretty decent basketball teams, so nothing easy about how that thing uh, plays on. We are here in the Midway Auto Dealership broadcast booth. Midway Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, Midway Chevrolet Buick GMC here in the month of January. Moving on to see what they've got for you. Ask them about their preferred pre-order program and see what's new in 2025. You can go to thinkmidway.com. Midway, it's a better way. Or check out the GMC Acadias, the Terrain, the 2024 models, a 1.9% APR for very well-qualified buyers. And you've been bumping around in the snow the last few days. Maybe you need some tire rotation or to get everything set up again. Maybe just an oil change. They'll take care of you. You can even make the appointment at thinkmidway.com or give them a call. Midway, it's a better way. South 2nd Avenue in Kearney. Okay, here's what I have for you at the moment. And not everything is perfect, but uh, we've only got a couple that are currently continuing to be on for right now there's a few that we haven't heard back from so we'll try and do our best on that but amherst alma and arapahoe loomis at the moment are still on we've just been informed that the carney catholic lexington games have been postponed until thursday um, talking to some folks out there on the road they're still not perfect everywhere so they're going to be uh, safe than sorry so carney catholic at lexington postponed to thursday also moved to thursday aurora and hastings and Grand Island Central Catholic taking on York. Some games that have been postponed and now have their new dates. Overton Brady have been moved to January 18th. Centura Donovan Trumbull has been moved to January 16th. Hartland Lutheran and Franklin moved to February the 5th. And we also have the Southern Valley Chase County games moved to January the 30th. Minden Ravenna, which was our game on the Vibe tonight, has been flat canceled. And that's what Coach Ford was saying. You know, when you've got these non-conference opponents, it's a lot tougher to get them on there. You really want to get all your conference games in. But it's kind of a eh. So they have canceled that. That will not be made up. So no meeting of the Ballsby brothers on the girls' side this year. Other games that have been postponed as of now, no makeup dates. Shelton at Arcadia Loop City. Gibbon at Blue Hill. St. Paul at Central City. Kennesaw at Giltner. Southwest at Highline. St. Cecilia Northwest. Central Valley Pleasanton. 
All of those games have also been postponed. The smart thing to do is check out your school's Facebook or Twitter, which uh, many people are up on, and that covers just about all the games in our area for tonight. We'll take a break and wrap things up on the Doug and Daddy Show right after this. Did you know that replacing the air in your tire with nitrogen could add big benefits down the road? At Kearney Tire and Auto Service, we can help you get the most mileage from your new set of tires with nitrogen inflation. Replacing the air in tires with pure dry nitrogen can maintain tire pressure four times longer than regular air and maintain a more constant tire pressure with varying outside temperatures. From the starters that get you going to the brakes that get you stopped, trust your car and your safety to us at Kearney Tire and Auto Service. At Johnson Landscape, we don't just see landscapes. We see dreamscapes. Sprinklers with precision. Plants with purpose. Outdoor living for new beginnings. For over 25 years, this has been our passion. With unmatched quality, precision, and expertise. At Johnson Landscape, every project is like our own. And every customer like family. Build your dreamscape today with Johnson Landscape. Gee, I really wish we had somebody to play basketball with. Well, you do now because Whoopers and Hoopers Basketball Tournament is back in Hastings. Five-on-five action, March 15th to 17th. Men's and women's divisions with a four-game guarantee. Register now at HastingsYMCA.net slash Whoopers dash Hoopers. Save $25 if registered by February 1st. Deadline, March 1st. Join the Whoopers and Hoopers Basketball Bash in Hastings and win big. Brought to you in part by Gary Michaels Clothiers, located in Hastings, Kearney, and Lincoln. Five Points Bank has been your hometown bank for over 40 years. From personal banking to mortgage, business, and more, Five Points continuously finds ways to make your banking experience easy and enjoyable, offering the best of both worlds with kind and welcoming employees in the bank while creating a strong online presence to accommodate your busy lifestyle. Five Points Bank innovative technology adds layers of security while being easily accessible to all age groups. Better choices, better service. Five Points Bank of Grand Island, Kearney, and Hastings. Doug and Daddy Show here on ESPN Tri-Cities. Don't forget coverage of Nebraska-Purdue men's basketball tonight on KHAS at 7 o'clock. Tip-off just after 8 o'clock. It is on the Peacock Network. Bryce Williams' status is up in the air. Uh, he is pretty sore. Coach Hoiberg said yesterday they will go through the routines. They'll have their shoot-around this afternoon, and then they'll make a decision after he injured his ankle in the game against Wisconsin on Saturday. So uh, that's what you've got going on there. Uh, we mentioned outside hitter Allie Batenhorst entering the transfer portal uh, and what her situation is, uh, seeing that uh, some other players are coming in, but a former national Gatorade National Player of the Year in the transfer portal. You hate to lose that. Olivia Mock, we told you yesterday, named Nebraska's Gatorade Volleyball Player of the Year. And for Nebraska's Natalie Potts, her fourth Big Ten Women's Basketball Freshman of the Week award. Averaged 12.5 points, 4.5 rebounds, also had two Two and a half assists, two steals for the Huskers last week in a win at Wisconsin. And then, of course, the loss to uh, Indiana. Potts, Nebraska Junior Center, Alexis Markowski earned her fifth selection to the Big Ten Weekly Honor Roll. Caitlin Clark takes that just about every week. Also, UNK coach Drew Johnson will join us tomorrow to talk about the Loper women as they hit the road. And the Lopers, Jillian Ashoff out of Pius, has been named the MIAA Women's Basketball Player of the Week. Averaged 16.5 points, 7.5 rebounds, and 7.5 assists per game in the uh, two Loper contests. A career high 
17 points in her third double-double in the win over 11th-ranked Central Missouri. Also had the win over Lincoln University. The Lopers are 12-2. and And for the Storm, the USHL forward of the week is Trevor Conley for his play in the two games against Team USA. So some great awards there. And we talked about boys basketball. How about girls basketball? Updated rankings from the World Herald today. Millard West remains number one in Class A. Elkhorn North remains number one in Class B. Sydney, after stopping Lincoln Christian's winning streak, is the new number one team in C1. Grand Island Central Catholic fourth, Gothenburg sixth, Minden seventh, Broken Bow comes in at nine, and Adams Central is tenth. Crofton remains number one in Class C2. Hastings St. Cecilia is seventh. Pender remains number one in D1 with Southern Valley third. SEM holds on to the number five spot after suffering their first loss of the year in the girls' showcase to Elmwood Murdoch. Got Maywood Hayes Center in the R-Pack there. They set at number nine. And we do have a new number one in D2. Sacred Heart tumbles to number three, Layton. Out West, 10-0. They are the new number one. Overton is number two. Wilcox Hildreth girls also low in numbers, but got some really talented first six or seven, and they move in at number five. Shelton is sixth in this week's girls' rankings. Carney Chicken Coop Sports Bar and Grill. Let's go have some lunch. The new special special for this week in Wall Supplies last. The Midwest Poutine, cheesy French fries with diced chopped beef steak smothered with homemade beef gravy. It's basically potatoes and gravy with french fries. Oh, it's so good. At the Carney Chicken Coop Sports Bar and Grill. Open for you seven days a week because you're hungry seven days a week. Maybe you just want a salad the week, every Tuesday. Any salad on the menu. A special price in bone-in wing night every Tuesday night. Plus your favorite burgers, pizza, and of course appetizers at the Carney Chicken Coop Sports Bar and Grill. The best of both worlds in downtown Carney. Thanks to Mitch Sherman of The Athletic talking Huskers, the College Football Hall of Fame, and of course the National Championship. Also, Alma Boys basketball coach Mike Ford. They are playing tonight at home against Amherst. Tomorrow, we will talk with Steve Sipple of Husker Online and UNK women's basketball coach Drew Johnson. Have a good Tuesday.